This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, things are going well. We are entering our, or we're not entering, but we are in our second week of online school here at the Macy household. I've got two kids in school. The online thing's going as smooth as possible. Mainly uh, thankful to Jenny, my wife, for taking care of all that. And you're probably in the same boat trying to get that to work and get going. Uh, some of you probably already have your kids going back to school in person. Uh, started Monday. My kids have online school for this week, next week, and then August 31st is, they say, the tentative date for their, our kids to return back to school. And I'm sending them. I know some people, or many, will not. Uh, they're going to keep their kids home. Uh, I, I have a differing opinion on that, and I'm ready to send them to school. Uh, not just for my wife's sake, but for my kids' sake. They need that. They need to be around other children, and it just works better that way mentally for them. So I've been praying for that, uh, praying for you, praying for this coronavirus to go away. I heard that uh, there's a lot of good vaccines being worked on, and they're very close. Uh, Who is it? Was it Yale or somebody? Uh, They said they're going to have a vaccine in October. And another group, I don't have their name, said that they're going to have theirs sooner than that. If that's true, that's, man, pray for that. That 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 is true. Pray that they will be effective. I know a lot of folks said they won't take it right away. That's fine. That's understandable. I will. uh, Mainly so that I can, I'll take it, see how I react to that. And if everything seems good after several weeks, I'll... Maybe Jenny, and then we'll go down the line to make sure we're all feeling good as we take it. I don't know. Anyway, let's uh, keep praying to the Lord that all this goes well and that we can get over these things. And Lord willing, if uh, if he blesses us with it, life will get back to normal. If not, we'll keep on keeping on, right? Keep that positive attitude. Okay, today we're going to continue the series on... Speaking words that heal and don't hurt. One day, an elderly preacher told his congregation that he was feeling a little lonely and a little depressed. So one of the church members suggested to the preacher that he should buy a pet. And he thought, you know, that's a good idea. So he he went downtown and after much deliberation, he bought a parrot. Now, unfortunately, not five minutes after arriving home, this parrot started hurling a string of expletives at the minister. He, he handled it for about an hour, and finally he slapped that parrot on the beak, and he said, quit it. But that just made the parrot even more upset. And he began to swear at the minister, even more colorful metaphors. So the minister covered the cage with a blanket, but it didn't stop the parrot. So finally he grabbed that bird, threw him in the freezer, and slammed the door. A few minutes went by, and the parrot quieted down. 
Minister came back, concerned for the well-being of the bird, opened up that freezer door. The old parrot climbed out of the freezer, flapped the ice off its wings, and began to apologize to the minister, saying, I am awfully sorry about the trouble I've caused you. In the future, I'll do my best to improve my vocabulary. The minister was astounded by the sudden transformation, and the parrot said, May I ask a question? Sure, replied the minister. So the bird looked at him and said, What did the frozen chicken in the freezer do to you? (laughs) Have you ever wished you could deal with someone's foul mouth the way the minister dealt with the parrot? Just throw him in a room and shut the door. We are returning to our series called Speak Life. Speaking words that heal and not hurt. And the Bible tells us that words have the power of life and death. And it's God's desire for us that we learn how to control our tongues so that our words bring life. Now, so far in our series, we have explored the truth about lying, the malignant talk of gossip and slander, the ego talk of boasting, flattering, exaggeration, corrosive talk, which has to do with speaking words of complaining and criticizing. And today we want to explore the topic of expletives deleted, lifting our speech out of the gutter. The official transcript of the Watergate tapes, if you remember that from the Nixon era, were frequently interrupted by that phrase, expletives deleted. Expletives deleted over. That became a common term for foul language. And like many standards of society, the decency of a matter is not absolute, but it is relative. It's interesting that expletives, though at one time were considered unpresidential, have now become so acceptable in our society. So accepted. Some people have long used profanity and obscenity privately whenever they get angry or disgusted. Some have used it for emphasis, and for others it is just a habit. Sadly, this is even true of some professing Christians. And as you know, more recently, foul language has become commonplace, not just in private, but also in public and in mass media. Try to find a TV show or movie, or music, or, or a novel that doesn't use profanity and obscenity is nearly impossible to get away from, even in family entertainment. My wife and I, just the last few nights, we've been watching this show called Suits. I think we're in season two or season three. I know it's been out for like nine or ten years, so this was almost a decade ago when this these seasons came out that we're watching. And I, I, had, to, I had to turn it off. I cannot believe how much obscenity. Usually I can just blank it out in my, in my mind as I'm watching the show. But it was like they, they decided, let's use this particular word over and over and over again in a particular scene. It just didn't stop. And I just, oh, why? 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 I don't know. I don't understand. But they do. Social media has gone so far as to give such expression code abbreviation so people can use profanity without having to type it out. Even school teachers and textbooks use such language. Mm. And when they do, they they uh, defend it 
on the grounds of freedom of speech and academic freedom. But even if all this is legal, that doesn't make it moral or acceptable to God. In the end, it is not our job to control what people out there allow to come out of their own mouths. But it is each of our jobs as the followers of Christ to honor God with our speech. God's word establishes absolute parameters for our speech. And there are four kinds of speech that we should be serious about deleting from our language. Cursing, profanity, obscenity, and euphemisms. Now, we might lump all of these kinds of speech into one category, foul language, but really these are quite different from one another, and I want us to define them all. Let's start with cursing. The American Heritage Dictionary defines cursing as an appeal or prayer for evil or injury to befall someone, to invoke evil, calamity, or injury upon someone. So a person curses someone else any time they say that they wish harm would happen to them. They might say something like, I wish he'd drop dead or get hit by a car. A person is cursing when they use words that express that kind of desire of harm on somebody. What does the Bible say about that? Well, Jesus tells us in Luke 6, I say to you who, who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Paul says throughout Romans chapter 12, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. That's all throughout Romans 12. Cursing is a violation of love. It is because it wishes harm on others. And that's not loving. Therefore, we should not even curse our enemies. And that means we should not curse anyone at all. Instead, we should bless, which means to wish for good to come to others. Now, as we try to warn evildoers what God teaches about their future punishment, we may properly use biblical words that describe the punishment of God that will be brought upon the wicked. But we need to remember that God himself will curse the wicked in proper time and manner according to his justice and his wisdom. That's his job, not our job. Now, what about profanity? Well, the dictionary defines profanity as showing contempt or irreverence toward God or sacred things. So that involves referring to anything holy in a way that mocks or ridicules it or otherwise fails to show proper respect or reverence for it. Some people profane the names of God by using them as expressions of anger or disgust or in a light, flippant way. Likewise, others profane sacred things such as hell, you know, the destiny of uh, the wicked or heaven, the dwelling place of God. And another way people speak profanity is the practice of referring disrespectfully to the acts of worship, such as prayer, uh, words out of spiritual songs and various Bible phrases, such as hallelujah, which means praise Jehovah. And here's what the Bible says about profanity. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 26, says this, We learn that the priests of Israel were guilty of profaning God's holy things. 
Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the profane, and they have not taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they hide their eyes from my Sabbaths. I am profaned among them. So to treat holy things as though they were uh, they are common is to profane them. And this passage really refers especially to profaning God's word and worship. One of the Ten Commandments addresses the problem of profanity. In Exodus 20, verse 7, when God says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. The Hebrew word translated in vain, that's in the New American Standard, and misuse in the NIV means something that is empty, meaningless, without substance, and without proper respect. To refer to God's name in such a way would be profanity. God's name is special. It is a revelation of himself to us. And by it, he is inviting intimacy. God's uh, most fundamental characteristic is that he is he is and always has been and always will be. And it speaks of his internal nature, sovereignty, faithfulness. He doesn't change. And the Bible often speaks about how wonderful and sacred the name of God is. Just look at a few of these verses. In the 111th Psalm, verse 9, says, He hath sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. And then Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Who has who have displayed your splendor above the heavens? Nehemiah 9, verse 5. Arise, bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Acts 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And then the one in Philippians 2, about uh, at, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. We know that God's name is special and should be treated with respect. But let's talk about the improper uses of his name. I'm not going to like give them outright, but I'll, we need to talk about this, I think. Uh, there is a verse in uh, Isaiah 52, verse 5, where God is he's in mourning about the plight of his people. And he's listing the evils of that day. And in there, Isaiah 52, 5, he says, My name is continually blasphemed all day long. Have you ever thought about how many times each day the holy God has to hear his name blasphemed and profaned? Could you imagine having to listen to people doing that to you? I mean, it's one thing to be out in a crowd of people who just you know don't like you, you don't really know them at all, and they're cursing at you. How long can you handle it? You might be able to handle it for a little bit, but after a while, you just got to walk away or you just, ugh, it's frustrating. But what if it's your own children that you love and you've done so much for and they begin to do that to you and disrespect you? Disrespect you? you that's not going to last. Not with me. No, sir. Imagine how much God has to do that with, listen to that with his children. I want to share with you a few ways I think folks in the world and in the church misuse the name of God. First, his name should not be used as an exclamation point. 
People often use the name of God to express reactions of all sorts of emotions. I don't mean to be... Okay, I'm not. I'm going to skip over. I'm not going to actually say the things that people say. Uh, oh my, you know. And they whisper, they see something gruesome, and they whisper the name of, of Jesus with an exclamation point. And of course, when we do that, we don't mean anything by it. I know that. But look at what was happening when you do say that. You're using the holy name of God as a mere synonym. Oh, you're kidding. Or, oh, I can't believe it. Or, oh, that's terrible. Just like that. How flippant. Don't do that. Number two, God's name should not be used as a cliche. Many people are guilty of this type of misuse. And it's a way to sound spiritual. Now, I've, I've preached this at North Valley. And I think some, some people were a little confused. So I want to expand on this a little bit. But let me go through this first part. What I mean by using God's name as a cliché, sometimes people will say, praise the Lord. But they say it with such regularity that they don't even realize what they're saying. Many people may say, God bless you. but And this is where people had a question. They're like, well, why can't I say that? Like, for example, when someone sneezes. Oh, what's wrong with that? Why are you saying it? Well, what does it mean when you say, God bless you? Are you you're telling God, God, I want you to bless this person. He sneezed? Now, it's all, it all comes down to motive. Why are you saying it? Do you, are you thinking about those words, or do you just say it out of repetition or habit, I mean? No, I hope if that's it, then you're, you need to stop. Think before you throw out blessings of God on people. Does God really want to bless that particular thing or that person for whatever reason you're asking a blessing to them? Do you see the problem? His name should only be used or associated with things of substance and genuineness. Don't use it like a cliche. Think before you use it. Number three, his name should not be used as an endorsement. Our society accepts the fact that association with the rich and powerful or popular people lends credibility. We see that with professional athletes and underwear and cereal, uh, sodas and whatnot. But don't do that with the Lord. Uh, there, there's companies out there that name their companies with the Lord's name or, or phrases. Like there's a company called Praise the Lord Lumber Company. Don't do that. I mean, I get what they're trying to say and do, but don't use the Lord's name like that, please. Number four, God's name should not be used as a false or frivolous oath. Now, Leviticus 19.12 says, You shall not swear falsely, by my name, so as to profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And we note from that passage that God does not want us to use his name in a vain oath, an empty oath. Now, it is proper to use the divine name in taking certain oaths, particularly those of a religious or judicial nature, but it is wrong to invoke the name of God for trivial matters. Someone might say, I'll be at your house for dinner tonight at 7, so help me God. Don't say, don't do that. That's frivolous. I promise you, I didn't eat that last donut. God is my witness. Oh, come on. Frivolous. You're really going to call God in as a witness to that? Would you tell somebody if you ate a donut 
or and you or you were lying, or you you didn't need a donut, I should say. You wanted to prove it. I'm not lying. Let me call a police officer to come down here to witness this. Would you do that? What do you think that cop would do? He'd arrest you for wasting his time. So you're going to call God to witness that? Frivolous. And there's many scriptures that point to that. And uh, there's other scriptures where Paul, for example, calls to God witness, uh, witnessing things, but not trivial matters. If you want to know what those are, it's Galatians 1.20, 2 Corinthians 1.23, and Philippians 1.8. It is not wrong to use the name of God for the, the purpose of taking an oath as long as it's legitimate, solemn, and proper. I hope our speech is not profane. I better hurry up. I don't have much time. Uh, oh, we need to get rid of obscenity. Uh, these are expressions of immoral and sensual speech that are simply not compatible with our Christian calling. That which is obscene is defined as offensive to modesty or decency. Too often our society, jokes and humor, contains sexual suggestions or double meanings. Some expressions of disgust or anger uh, indecently refer to certain parts of the body. Stay away from that. What does the Bible say? Colossians 3.8, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. And Paul addresses this in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 12, and unfortunately, I don't have time to read through that, but there, God, uh, for God's people, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. There must not be any obscenity. No immoral or impure person has any inheritance to the kingdom of God. Over and over again, he talks about how we need to be children of light and not darkness. Get that speech out of there. Uh, eliminate euphemisms. Now, euphemism, that's the substitution of a mild or indirect, vague expression for one thought to be uh, offensive or harsh or blunt. People who are angry or upset will sometimes use altered forms of a word to, in place of curse and profanity or obscenity. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to use those altered words because I don't want you to put the words in your mind. But there, we do that. And, but everyone knows what you're trying to say. It's a euphemism. Don't do that. You're still giving a, a, a word that's it, an obscenity. Uh, d- don't do that. Um, let me give you a few that are okay to use uh, a euphemism. It's okay to, to do this, okay? Uh, if someone has died, sometimes we might say they passed away. Passed away is a euphemism of he died. Remember when Jesus I was going to go see Lazarus, and he told his disciples, Lazarus is asleep. And his disciples thought, oh, he was talking about literal sleep. And eventually Jesus had to say, hey, look, guys, he's dead. They didn't get the euphemism. We, and that's fine to use that because we'll, we'll say that because it's kinder. If you don't like the person, you might just say, oh, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> and so, But if you like them, oh, they passed away. You used a euphemism. But if you substitute, if the substitute means the same as a bad word, it's still used in the same way. Even if it's, we even do it when it sounds familiar. Don't do that. Stay away from those things. Christians must always consider the way or conduct, uh, their conduct affects others, especially young people and new converts, so that we don't tempt them to sin. Many people do know the meaning of these words and Many of the words sound so much alike, their original meaning 
and they uh, are easily recognizable with just a little thought. And you, you use a euphemism to say a curse word, you're still saying the curse word. You are. Everyone knows it, and so do you. We need to cut that out of our speech. We must always keep in mind that our words have the power of life and death. We must keep in mind that we want to be the best examples of godliness that we can be. We want our lights to shine so brightly because we are children of light. Expletives like cursing, profanity, obscenity, and euphemisms characterize those who are in darkness. And we also must remember that God is concerned about the words we use. Jesus said that we will meet them again in judgment. So I hope and I pray that all of us make a commitment, if we haven't already done so, to rid our speech of expletives. I want to end with this positive uh, story. In 2009, uh, this kid, 15-year-old kid, he had braces on his teeth. Uh, <clears throat> he was at the, uh, in middle school. He, had, he was the middle of seven children. I apologize. He was the middle of seven children. And at that time, he played soccer, rode unicycle, all these different, typical kid. But there was one thing he didn't like, cussing. And he said, quote, it just makes me feel really offended and stuff. It just doesn't make me feel good. Now, Hatch's parents are authors of a book titled Raising a G-Rated Family in an X-Rated World. Profanity was frowned on at home. Hatch says none of his friends in elementary school ever, ever swore, but it seemed like when they got to middle school, everyone was cursing. And when he started high school, it ratcheted up even more. But he started uh, up this new group called the No Cussing Club. And in his quest against foul language, he'd issued a no cursing challenge through his website. And his, he had a book published in 2009, The No Cussing Club. And he's gotten a lot of attention, but all, not all of it's positive. Some of it's negative. He had, some people would call him up just to curse at him because they're just mean that way. He has been the target of pranks and death threats that prompted local police and even the FBI to get involved. But he said this. He said, you know, at first it was really kind of scary, but they're just bullies. And they want you to be scared, and so I'm not going to let them win. And he says that he's not trying to take away anyone's freedom of speech, just challenging them to come up with cleaner language. And this should be the goal of all of us, to clean up our language, to delete the, all the expletives, to speak life, and to honor God with our lips. And I hope that's a challenge you can take today. We're out of time. Thank you for being here. I hope you can be back next week as we continue this series. May the Lord bless you in your walk with Christ. Sending up to sweep away till she'll done the better day. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.